baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personality shaping the stories. Special Edition is a production of Intercom Communications. I'm Paula Dagnan. Let's welcome Tom Gesso Sr. He's the president of the Shawnee Cemetery Preservation Association and Steve Condrad. He's the vice president of the association as well as the president of the Plymouth Historical Society. They're going to tell us about an event coming up that will help them raise some funds in order to keep up the historical cemetery in Plymouth. Well, our organization is to preserve and restore uh, a historic Shawnee Cemetery in Plymouth. We started the organization in 2008, and we have uh, over 500 members on Facebook and about 200 members, uh, paid members, throughout the United States. And the president didn't travel without his vice president today. (laughs) Tom said you've got so many people on Facebook so where is the cemetery located, and who would be a, a member of your organization? Now, the cemetery is located on West Mountain Road in Plymouth. And members of our organization um, vary. They are descendants of people who are buried there and people throughout the community. You have some pretty powerful people that are buried there from way back when. We do. Um, Some of our more notable people are George Palmer Ransom, who was a uh, Revolutionary soldier. Also, Abram Nesbitt fought in the Revolutionary War, as did Philip Shupp. And we have veterans there from every war, from the Revolution right up to Vietnam. Wow. That's That's a lot of people. Tom, tell us about the event now that you have coming up in October, and this in itself is kind of unique, although you have done it for how many years now? Well, this is our fifth year that we've been doing the uh, Walk for the Forgotten uh, Unknown. It's a fundraiser we do once a year. Uh, We did move it up to twice a year, so so we have another one in February. And it's just to bring awareness to uh, the, the people in the cemetery, you know, that sacrificed so much for us, our uh, community and our nation. And now they're forgotten after 148 years. Uh, families died out, moved away, and there's nobody to take care of them. And we have over 400 veterans uh, interned at the Shawnee Cemetery. And it's just sad to see their uh, grave sites uh, taken over by Mother Nature. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're all volunteer, nonprofit organization. And uh, we depend on uh, businesses and uh, the community to help support us in uh, donations for equipment and uh, the tools that we need to preserve and restore this historic jewel. What happens at this particular event that you have coming up now? And when is it? Uh, The event is on Saturday, October 6th, uh, and it's going to be held at the 
Goodwill Host Company, number two, Bizarre Grounds and Host Company Grounds uh, in Plymouth, on West Main Street in, in Plymouth. And from one until four? From one until four, Okay. Yes. So it's not at the cemetery? No, it's not at the cemetery, because this year, um, with all the amount of rain we've been getting and the terrible mosquito and bug problem, we decided to maybe make it more convenient for people to move it someplace downtown. The cemetery is located um, up above Plymouth, actually, uh, on the mountainside, and the roads are paved with gravel only. So it's, it's difficult for older folks um, to come and walk around, and also um, the grave sites may or may not be in good condition to be able to walk around. So we felt that we could, we could reach out to a larger audience if we held it in a more convenient place. What's going to happen that day? It's going to happen. It's going to be great. That's going to be just <laughs> well, great. Well, I can tell just the two of you being there is going to be the <laughs> highlight. <laughs> no, it's, it's going to be great. We have uh, our time travelers, our, our alter egos, the, the Shawnee time travelers, are going to portray people from the World War One era and talk about different things that they experienced and how the war impacted our own community here of Plymouth and Wyoming Valley. Now I'm really confused. Now you're all confused. Now I'm we'll, all we'll confused. Okay, please do, because these time travelers, where do they come from? We don't know. Oh. <laughs> Through time, no. Uh, seriously, they're um, members of the organization, of the cemetery organization, and people from the uh, uh, board members from the Plymouth Historical Society, too. It's, it's something we do. Um, requires a little bit of research to find out something about people from the past and sort of take you back to, to that particular time. We're going to get there on October 6th, and there are going to be the time travelers coming from way back when, and are they going to serve us lunch? Are they going to talk to us? Are they going to do a dance? What happens with these people? Well, the tickets include uh, a meal. When we dress up in periodic costume uh, for the uh, events, so it depends on you know what event you know what, what time period that we're falling to that we dress up for. Where do you get such uh, things? Have, oh, it's a uh, it's it's a hunt, thrift shops mainly and eBay, but we 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 we're not. I wouldn't say we're exactly historically accurate in our clothes. But it's sort of a you-get-the-idea type thing. And we talk about different people depending on what the event is. This year, we're focused on World War I. So I'll be talking about something I don't know if anybody really has ever heard of, the Four Minutemen. No. Now, we've heard of the Minutemen from the Revolutionary War, but this is a totally different thing. The Four Minutemen were, there was actually 75,000 spread out throughout the country. And they were volunteers that went around um, and sort of, I would say, sold the war. The war was not an easy thing for people to want to be into. So they helped to promote the sales of liberty bonds, uh, food conservation, the draft, and victory gardens. And these people, they called them Four Minute Men because they generally spoke at movie theaters. And somebody had figured out that it takes about four or five minutes before they changed reels. So while they were changing reels and you're gone to the concession stand, they would get up on stage and give their spiel. Oh, so they didn't actually see battle. Oh, no. No, they were volunteers here. Ah, uh, okay. Some of the more... 
famous ones was the actor Douglas Fair- Fairbanks. Now, why do I think that Tom is going to be portraying Douglas Fairbanks at the event on October 6th? <laughs> uh, Tom's actually going to be talking about one of his relatives fought in World War One. Please do tell us. Well, my Uncle Charlie, he, uh, he took us in when I was a baby. Uh, my mother uh, uh, was divorced and uh, we had nowhere to go and he took us in. And we lived with them, you know, I lived with them all of my life. And this was here, locally? In Plymouth. In Plymouth, okay. And uh, he was in World War I, and he was also a miner at the Avondale. A lot of the World War I uh, soldiers, when they came back, they, they came back and went back into the mines. So you're going to be portraying him? Yes. That's wonderful. Do you have anything authentic from him? Uh, no, not really. No? Just the uh, memories? Just the memories. Which is even we, better. We used to have the memories of uh, the dynamite and his lunch pail uh, in the closet there in the hallway, you know. Well, we've we've had a lot of news stories about people finding things in their closets and wondering what they are and how they got there. Yeah. So <laughs> this sounds like it's going to be so much fun, and it's going to help you raise some money? Yes. Absolutely. Uh, the, the Shawnee Cemetery, we we do our work from the support of the community and donations from businesses and and such like for our equipment and for the road repairs and uh, the restoration that we need done up at the cemetery. Uh, it costs a lot of money to run a 13-plus acre cemetery. Oh, I bet it does. And there's over 15,000 graves that... Uh, Nobody really wants to claim, mm-hmm. you know, except uh, families that are living close by. Wow. So it doesn't take long for Mother Nature to take it over. And with this rain this year, uh, it's proven it because mm-hmm. we haven't had a chance to get in there and cut. It rains one day, and next day if it's dry, it doesn't take t- long enough to dry it out to cut. And then you sink. We know that just from our own yards. Right, and then we just, you know, fall back again. But... We do catch up evidentially, even if it's in December, you know, we're, we're still there. It's a 365-day-year job. Well, it's a good thing that you can take at least one day out of the year in order to have something with a lot of fun. So, Steve, I'm going to give you the final word here. Give me the, the date, the time, the place, all of the information uh, that people, I know you said you have a Facebook page. What would, where would people find that? And let us know all about the, uh, the event that's coming up. It is on October 6th, that's a Saturday, and it's located at the Plymouth Host Company number two, the Goodwill Host Company, that's right on West Main Street in Plymouth, right at the corner of Nottingham and West Main. It will be from 1 till 4 p.m., and event cost is $15, which includes food, and the food is going to be all homemade. The phone number to call for tickets is 570-406. One, two, three, eight. Uh, children 12 years and under are free. Okay. So it's a kid-friendly family event. And we want to just remind you that the uh, the Facebook page, of course, is the, um, there's there's two actually. You can find information at Historic Shawnee Cemetery as well as Plymouth Historical Society. That's correct. 
A thank you to Tom and Steve from the Shawnee Cemetery Preservation Association for joining us today about their upcoming event on October 6th. Now don't go away. More to come on Special Edition. We're going to find out about a documentary that will be airing this month that was done by a local man on the opioid crisis. Also, we'll be meeting Intercom's Rob Nyhart will be talking with Kenny Luck coming up on Special Edition. Welcome back to Special Edition. Local filmmaker and author Kenny Luck joins Intercom's Rob Nyhart to talk about his upcoming documentary on the opioid crisis airing on WVIA-TV. Those of you who may not remember, last year Ken was here talking about um, a documentary he was putting together at the time about the opioid crisis. And uh, I was fortunate enough that uh, Ken included me in the documentary uh, because telling the story about my niece who died from a heroin overdose just a couple of years ago. And from there, you put it together and you started showing it. What's been the response? Um, it's, it's been, it's been, uh, amazing. And, you know, at the time it's worth noting that, you know, I had no idea that it was going to sort of take off. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it came out, um, last September. So we're looking at pretty much a year and immediately, um, there was media interest. There was interest from the public. Uh, I started giving talks about it and it kind of blew my mind because when I was here in, I think it was July of 2017 to interview you, it it was just a project I was putting together and since then it's it's closing in at about 140,000 views on wow. on YouTube. Now wasn't this put together for a, a, a school project? No, it was nope. just it oh, was just okay. something as a, you know, a budding filmmaker I had done right. a short documented previous to that and this issue came up and it was something we wanted to pursue and it sort of has taken off in the last 12 months. So now you uh, you have the attention of a lot of people. You've given the talk about it. You've shown it to a lot of people. And uh, for those who have not seen it, um, obviously, I, I, I played a small part in it, but you had uh, the, the district attorney, Stephanie Salavanis, and so many other people that that are involved in this, this war against the, the opioid crisis. And so many people, so many people still dying from this plague. Since you released it last year, uh, what kind of an effect do you think it's had? Has anybody talked to you saying that uh, like it, it's inspired them to get off the stuff or not started? Or uh, maybe law enforcement officials uh, talk to you about how important such a, a, a film is? Yeah, I've, I've heard, you know, it's, it's the reaction's been... You know, the first thing that's worth noting is this issue continues to climb every day, which is why I think there's such an interest in it. And and the problems, even since last year, I think Mm -hmm. has been crystallized even more in the national discussion and locally and so on. Um, To answer your question directly, I've heard a lot of different feedback, some of it. Very positive, Mm -hmm. some of it very negatively, and that just comes with when you create, when you're a creative person, you do something. Tell me about it. Yeah, not everybody's (laughs) going to like what you do, and I'm totally cool with any feedback, good or bad. Um, But I've heard stories. One of my friends came to me recently. He went to some conference somewhere, and he said that it got brought up, and he said that uh, I, you know, I can't verify this, Mm -hmm. but he said uh, they were showing it in some law enforcement training, which I didn't know anything about, Um, and then you know. 
as, as you know from the film, I tried to bring in these different diverse viewpoints right. from law enforcement, from ex-addicts, from people that uh, have had family members dealing with the problem. So to me that, you know, you try to be as objective as you can. We all have our perceptions and we go into things with our own opinions. But, you know, I hope that people take from it what's in there, which is diverse viewpoints about the problem and how to fix it. Well, you see, one of the one of the things I liked about this uh, this project that you had at the beginning was that it it, it kind of put the things together for me at the time because I I was started to see in the newspapers in obituaries where people were brave enough and my my brother was one of those who were brave enough to put in the obituary saying that you know the the loved one had passed after a long addiction. To, to drugs. And people now are starting to talk about it. People who would, if they had a, a family member or a close friend die from an overdose, oh, you hide that. You know, it's shameful that a, that a right. person in your family had it. But, but I, I, I think it's just the opposite. Uh, when you come forward and you're able to openly discuss this, I think you're helping you're helping to get the word out, not hide it, that this is a plague, that it's killing us. And it's not just poor people. It's not rich people. It's, it's all ladders of our society. It, and your, your video, when you put this together, just, I think, enhances the discussion that we, if the more we talk about this and the more education we have, uh, you know, it's just one more prong in the attack to make sure people get the word out. So maybe so many people won't die from this stuff. I think everything you said is absolutely right. And it's part of, I think, destigmatizing the issue. And, and it's undoubtedly, I mean, the, the statistics are very clear. It's undoubtedly the biggest drug overdose crisis in this country's history, period. Um, and I think because of that, um, I mean, of course, people can argue, yeah, drugs have been around, which they have. But yep. this, but the death rate from mm -hmm. this is surpassed uh, motor vehicle accidents. It's a huge problem. And I think what you said is absolutely right is discussing it more is, is, is one way to tackle it. There's sort of the soft side, which is discussion. And mm -hmm. then there's, there's other sides of it as well. Well, one of the other things that we have learned in this past year, well, well, we knew about it before, but now we're, we're starting to actually take action that, you know, when we talk about the heroin and opioid addiction problem, we, we think about the rats on the street corner selling, selling drugs to our kids. Right. But what we now finally are openly talking about are the prescription drugs that get people hooked in the first place. That big farm is is equally responsible for the opioid crisis that that you know the heroin dealer on the street is maybe even more. And since that time, we have seen that the amount of op opioids through prescriptions is dropping dramatically. It's not so easy to get these types of pills to get you hooked on this stuff. It was it was very easy, you know, when this started, I think it uh, uh Purdue, I think was the, the the company in the 90s when they came out with OxyContin mm -hmm. in the, I think 96 or sometime in the 90s, but it was very easy to get 
access to these drugs. And you're right. And I've heard you discuss this on the show. I know Lackawanna County, for example, has filed suit against some pharmaceutical mm-hmm. companies. So it's changing the conversation. And more importantly, it's changing the perception of the problem. And I think that's a, a, a big first step to dealing with this. We're talking about the opioid crisis and the video. I, I, it is a documentary. We, we'll call it what it is. Put together by, by Kenny Luck that is getting a lot of recognition. All of this talk is out. I mean, we're discussing it now more than I think we ever have. I'm talking about being out in the open. Um, my, my question is, with all of this information out there, we know how dangerous this stuff is. We know how fast you can get hooked on it. I just don't know why people still start. You know, why, why would anybody right now even start on this stuff knowing what's down the road it's it's a really complex and difficult question and and for that um individual that you know wrote in that's that's horrible but it also demonstrates again going against the stereotype that these are as you you know rats in the alleyway and things like that it's 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 very widespread and very scary too, you know, and I, I've mentioned this when we were on the show last time. I, the reason I'm even interested in this issue is because I had a, I came from a substance abuse situation in my family. My father was, is and was an alcoholic and, you know, addiction, it, it affects you. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm 34 and I, these were things happening when I was a kid and it's still, you wake up every day and deal with the psychological issues that come from that. And, you know, there's something to be said for grit and resilience and getting over those things. But I, I sympathize and empathize with these families to the nth degree. I, I do too. And and I, I've had addiction in my family too. Not only my niece uh, who, who died from heroin, uh, my father's brother died at 50 from being an alcoholic. Uh, a couple of my father's aunts uh, were alcoholics. One, I mean, she did live into her 70s, but she died from cirrhosis of the liver. You, your family has been affected. My family has been affected. And guess what? Almost everybody listening, maybe everybody listening, has, has the same story to tell. Mm-hmm. But in the past, you don't talk about it. Right, right. That's in somebody else's family. Well, we're here to tell you we know it's in lots and lots of families. And there isn't anything wrong with talking about it. Right, right. Nothing. You may actually be doing some good. You may, get, you may actually get somebody who, who has this problem in their family to actually go out and seek help for that person before it's too late. And make change. And yeah. make change instead of saying, well, you know, I could have done something. Well, yeah, we all could have. Right. You know, but did you? <laughs> right. <laughs> so now, as we're talking about your, your video that it has, uh, has been seen so many times by so many people that now, later this month, you're actually going to be featured on uh, WVIA public television. Th- that's right. Yeah. I'm super excited about this. And uh, thanks for um, letting me talk about it. It's going to make a, a television premiere uh, Wednesday, September 26th at 8 p.m. And then that following Sunday, September 30th at 3.30 p.m. Um, and again, it's, you know, 
as we talked about many times when this project started, I had no idea it would kind of get legs like this. So mm-hmm. to get something on television is like really the feather in a filmmaker's sure. cap, you know? Um, so I'm, I'm excited. And I hope that broadens the audience for people who haven't seen it on the web. Um, and I think it'll hit a, a, another uh, audience that it wasn't available to previously. And that's the important part. And, and it being on public television, and being as uh, popular as WVIA is, you know, seriously, there's no telling who's going to see this. No telling that this may make such an impact. Other public television stations may say, gee, maybe we should have this Kenny guy on with us and, <laughs> and, and talk about the same thing in markets that no one has seen it yet. I would, I would hope. I'm being very cautious, but yeah. that would be amazing. And uh, it's, you know, who knows? Because at mm-hmm. this point, it's it's already kind of boiled up to a point where I didn't foresee it happening <laughs> already. So even the fact that I'm sitting here with you today, mm-hmm. right now, talking about this was not on the agenda, you know, 14 months ago. So it's 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 crazy when you put a product out and make something and and and. Really, it sounds trite, but pursue your dreams and make stuff happen. Oh, absolutely. It, you never know what will happen. You, you don't know what will ever happen. Um, but if you don't try, nothing will happen. Nothing will happen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, could, you could, 14 months ago, you could have said, you know what? Maybe one day I should make this uh, documentary on, on the explosion of the opioid crisis. And I think, I think the reaction you're getting right now is just the beginning after this hits WVIA, I think uh, I think this is gonna kind of explode into something much bigger for you. Thank you. I, I you know, and I hope so. And I have you know a lot of ideas. And you know, the biggest issue I've been struggling with over the past year personally is like, you know, I want to continue making films. Mm-hmm. I think there's sure. a future in this. And what do you do <laughs> to, to <laughs> after this issue? I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things you can pick from, but it, you know that you know content really is king. And, of course, you know, in that medium specifically too, and and telling good stories. So it's I still haven't come up with an answer yet. But sequel is always the hardest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> how do I top this, or how do I make it just as good? Yeah, and 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 you have to go back to that beginner's mindset of just wiping. The slate clean mm-hmm. and moving forward and and let the creative juices flow. Absolutely. A lot of addiction comes from poor pain management resulting from surgeries or hospital. We know That's, that. Yep, yep. Okay. We know that uh, people who, who get addicted to these uh, opioids in the hospital is because of injuries, because of pain. All right, we understand that. That's part of the problem, and we brought that up. It is. That's it's not the just the people on. It's not just the people on the streets dealing dope to kids. It is the opioids that are being prescribed for the pain. You know, and and in the past, it's been pretty much handed out like candy. Right. Uh, now we're being a little more cautious about it. Uh, some people are saying, you know, I don't want Vicodin. I don't want Percocet. I, yeah, I'm in pain, but. I don't want to be addicted to this stuff. Um, so I, it's a problem. That's, that's part of the problem. I understand that not all liver disease is caused by drinking. I know that. <laughs> right. I'm just saying that in my family, it was my family members got liver disease because they drank too much and died from it. Right. Nobody's saying it's a, it's a you know, cause effect directly. It's just saying a big subset of it 
very mm-hmm. well may be caused that way. So, so it, and, and yes, one hit the nail on the head. These are things that we know, and now the idea is do something about it. Saying they're hooked on the pain pills from prescriptions, the prescriptions are cut off, so they go to the street narcotics. Right. We know that's the problem, and the economics of and, it. That yes. Those are much cheaper to buy right. off the off the street as well. Unfortunately, that you know the big thing is now. How do we solve this problem? Where do we go from here? And I think your your documentary um, lets us explore those things. So good luck with Thank Channel you. 44. The name of it again is? Is uh, Opioid Nation, The Making of an Epidemic. Don't go away. More special edition yet to come. And we're going to be finding out about kayaking the Susquehanna to raise money for Camp Archbald. Welcome back to Special Edition. If you are a Girl Scout in northeastern Pennsylvania, chances are you may have spent some time or maybe even an entire summer at Camp Archbald. Laura O'Malley is with us and she's going to tell us about the camp as well as a special fundraiser that's coming up on September 30th kayak for camp you'll find out more about camp archbald as well as soca that's the acronym for supporters of camp archbald laura camp archbald give us a little bit of the history there and we're going to talk about an event that a group has coming up in order to raise funds for the camp so tell us about the camp first okay camp archbald is Almost 100 years old. It's the second oldest Girl Scout camp in the United States. And they've been doing, Girl Scouts have been having resident camp and camping activities at this 200 plus acre facility for 99 years, 98 years now. That's a long time. It is. Um, And it's a very special place to the girls who have been there. we were there this summer doing a resident camp with supporters of Camp Archibald, and there were many 40- and 50- and 60-year-old Girl Scouts who in their heart were still teenagers doing Girl Scout stuff. That's pretty there, cool. You know, in our hollowed ground. Now, you're a Girl Scout? Yes, I am. And where did you get your Girl Scout start? Um, my Girl Scout start actually happened in Mosick. Um, with a bunch of fabulous leaders. Um, I was in Girl Scouts from, at that time, second grade was entry level. And I was a Girl Scout right through high school through 12th grade. Wow. So I went from brownies through juniors, cadets, and seniors. So when you go back to Camp Archibald, that was one of the places that you went to when you were a Girl Scout. Camp Archibald is near and dear to my heart. Um, My mom, who is no longer with us, uh, was our Girl Scout leader, and we did troop camping at least two times a year, and I spent many summers up there at resident camp during the summer. So I'm very familiar with all the little nooks and crannies (laughs) of what's there on campus. Um, When uh, we talk about Camp Archibald, for people who are not familiar with it, mm -hmm. can you give us an idea where it's located? Okay, Camp Archibald is located in Kingsley, Pennsylvania. Um, For people that might be geographically challenged, it is... Susquehanna County? Susquehanna County. It's far from Muzik. 
it is far from music, and we would go on that yellow bus. <laughs> but it is south of Montrose, north of Tunkhannock, um, and it's tucked away on a beautiful private Kettle Lake. Um, the lake was formed when the glaciers went through. Mm. So there have been studies done on the water and on the sediment in the lake and there have been literature published about the findings of the uniqueness of that kettle lake so it's pretty much a jewel in the rough it really is um now how did this all come about that you're having a fundraiser why are you saving camp archibald okay um about 11 years ago Girl Scouts of the United States of America decided that they were going to consolidate Girl Scout councils. So when I was a kid and our Girl Scout council was Scranton Pocono Girl Scout Council and we were located at 333 Madison Avenue in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And that encompassed um, a a fairly significant geographic area here in the Northeast. a couple years ago, they decided, uh, Girl Scouts of the United States decided that they were going to consolidate. And what were, mm, I'm not sure the exact number, What, but Scranton Pocono mm-hmm. and Penswood, which was in the Wilkes-Barre area, and several other councils went together to form one 30-county council that encompasses northeastern North Central and Central Pennsylvania, all into one county. Ah. So now headquarters are down in Harrisburg, and a lot of the programming that's happening for the girls is happening um, more centrally located to the Harrisburg area. So that those girls that are serviced by Girl Scouts of the Heart of Pennsylvania um, that happen to live in little old Susquehanna County (laughs) now need to spend a two to three hour trip to get to Girl Scout headquarters in Uh, Harrisburg. I didn't realize that. Mm -hmm. And as part of what was happening with this consolidation with councils, um, staff were consolidated so that naturally when consolidations like that happen, there are people that become redundant. Um, and they're looking to save whatever money that they can save so that cuts were being made and, and assets were being reevaluated and what needs to be kept and what can be let go when you start consolidating um, a number of unique bodies and organizations. Some things do need to get thrown out. Was Camp Archibald on that list? Um, a a property assessment committee went through and did an assessment of all of the properties that now Girl Scouts in the heart of Pennsylvania own. And they went through and decided for their reasonings um, that this camp would be closed, this camp would be kept intact as it is, this camp would be put under a review, this camp would have certain... Um, acres sold off and they did that for all of the camps in the council so how Camp Archibald fared with this was that 
approximately 120 undeveloped acres of Camp Archibald property have been put on the market. Mm. Um, a 70-acre parcel was sold, thankfully, to a descendant of the original owners uh-huh. of the property who are very, very friendly with Girl Scouts and liked having the Girl Scout camp as their across-the-lake neighbor. So that part of it stays preserved. Um, the remaining acres of camp um, were deemed to be, and I quote, under review. Ah. So for the three years, 2018, 2019, and to, um, 2020, the Girl Scout Council, Heart of Pennsylvania, will be reviewing the usage of camp. And depending upon the level of usage will depend on whether or not Camp Archibald will be retained or will be put on the market to be sold and no longer used as a Girl Scout camp. Oh, so it's still up in the air. It's still very much up in the air. Oh. So um, supporters of Camp Archibald have been... Which is uh, Soka. Which is Soka, mm-hmm. uh, are a group of former campers. We are all current Girl Scouts. We are alumni of Camp Archibald. And it, Camp Archibald is, is very important to all of us, for each of us for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, we really would like to see this continue to be a Girl Scout camp, serving girls. Um, giving them unique outdoor experiences, unique leadership experiences that you really can't get anyplace else. Well, especially if it's in your own backyard. Uh, it is in our own backyard. Where it's right here in the area mm-hmm. instead mm-hmm. of going, and it's different from traveling two hours in a yellow bus from mm-hmm. Music to Kingsley as right. opposed to Music to Harrisburg. Correct. So I can understand well, the other thing that happened um, at the time that SOCA was established, um, Girl Scouts in the heart of Pennsylvania have had decided that they would no longer be running resident camp at Camp Archibald. Um, when I was a, a kid and going to camp, camp lasted eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, in more recent years, programming went on for four to six weeks of resident camp where they had counselors and staff living at camp and girls coming and staying for anywhere from one week to however many weeks your your family could afford to send you there. Um, This was the first year, 2018 was the first year that Girl Scouts did not, as an organization, have resident camp at Camp Archibald. And that did not sit well with the members of SOCA. Mm. Um, We were very determined that we would have a resident camp there this summer. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to, now that we have a bit of the background, we need to get into your fundraiser. Okay. Because if anybody is going to be doing anything with kayaks, I would think it would be an organization like the Girl Scouts. (laughs) Well, we're, we're, Manning the kayaks and the canoes, and we're taking them to the Susquehanna River, and we are going to paddle. Um, we're, our trip will start 
um, where we meet the shuttle in Falls. Mm. Um, we'll be shuttled up to Tunkanic where we'll get in the water and do a 10-mile paddle from Tunkanic back down the river with the stop at White's Ferry for us to have lunch and bathroom break. Nice. Um, and then we'll conclude in Falls. Um, once everybody gets off the water, we're going to Artie's Food Drinkery for um, refreshments, socialization, um, so and just have a, a fun time party once we get off the water. It sounds like it's just a nice get-together, if nothing else, as you're reaching out to maybe other Girl Scouts. It is a get-together. Um, we have some women that are planning on paddling with us that day that... Um, will be passengers in canoes of other people. Um, we have Girl Scouts from all over the area, um, many of them coming in from out of town, from out of state, to join us on this. Who've been who, at Camp Who've Archibald. been at Camp Archibald, yes. Um, the whole premise behind our paddle for camp is we are going to paddle, but we would like supporters to pay us to paddle. Oh. So if you can't paddle or you physically are not able, don't have the interest, don't have the ability. Have the um, fear. <laughs> uh, exactly. Uh, then you can always write that check. And um, uh, those people that are local remember Tom and Noreen Clark doing the bowling for dollars. Absolutely. Well, instead of bowling, we're paddling. Ah. And we would like as much financial support of our paddlers as we could get. So uh, former Girl Scouts... Um, if you've ever spent any time at Camp Archibald, it's in jeopardy. And we really need the financial support in order for SOCA to do what they are planning on doing, which is support programming at that camp. Now, you have a website. We do have a website. It is supportersofcampparchibald.wordpress.com. Okay. Um, to see more about what's going on with SOCA, you could find that at supportersofcamparchibald.wordpress. We have a Facebook page, again, Supporters of Camp Archibald. Um, there's a Twitter account. Uh, now, a lot of this is, like, beyond my <laughs> comprehension level. There's Twitter, there's... Um, Snapchat, there's I, I don't all, know. all there's, those there's, different things. There's several of them. <laughs> Just put in S-O-C-A. <laughs> S-O-C-A, and you'll find us. And Camp Archibald. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, the provider of our kayaks, for those of us that don't have, um, the paddlers will be able to rent from Susquehanna Kayak and Canoe Rentals, who are being nice enough to assist us in doing this event um, and they will be um, the ones that will be hosting us in the after party where we'll be getting together um, how far is the distance that you're uh, going we'll be paddling 10 miles 10 miles so if somebody just wants to donate a dollar a mile 10 bucks 10 bucks okay the other thing i'm, I'm going to backtrack to um, resident camp w when Girl Scouts of Heart of Pennsylvania decided that they were not going to do resident camp at Camp Archibald this year, SOCA stepped up and SOCA said, we want to do resident camp. We, as alumni, will put on a one-week camp. We had 82 girls. Nice. Of those 82 girls, 
we had over $2,000 worth of camperships that were raised for girls who could not afford to be there. Um, we're looking for the money that we raise from um, Kayak for Camp to go into funding those activities. None of the adult staff that were at camp this year were paid. We were all volunteer. Many of us had gone for specialized training prior to camp so that we could better do the job that we were planning on doing. And you told me before we began today that you melded what um, you do. I melded what I do. I'm a registered nurse, um, have spent my years as a school nurse. Um, I'm also an avid kayaker. Um, so I was the nurse some days, and I was a boating instructor other days. Um, I... I had a blast. How much fun does that sound? <laughs> it, it takes 50 years off your life when you get back there and you're starting to walk those trails again. <laughs> and you and you were just getting to the point where you were not homesick anymore and they told you it was over. <laughs> exactly. So you're hoping for next season to bring it all back. Next season, we are hoping to do a two-week camp. Um, a lot of the plans are already in progress for what we're, what programming we're going to be doing. Um, other activities that are coming up at camp, we have a weekend, the first weekend in October, that is clean up camp and close it up for the winter. Mm. Um, so th it will be an opportunity for any volunteers that want to come to go ahead and come and help us put camp to bed for the winter on Saturday. Um, people that are coming to do that can stay over Friday night and Saturday night. Um, all of that needs to be arranged through Girl Scouts of the Heart of Pennsylvania. Um, and do they have a website as well, or can they get in touch with you through SOCA? They can get in touch through SOCA. There's information about all of these uh, events on the SOCA Facebook page and on the SOCA.wordpress um, webpage. Um, we are looking for anyone that had been a Girl Scout to please reach out to us. We would like to get as many of those people involved in this in this movement as possible so that this camp can be preserved for future generations. We would very much like to be planning our 100th anniversary of Camp Archibald in 2020. Um, well, I think now that you're into the that we're getting into the winter season and you are getting ready to close up the camp, sounds to me like the ladies of Soka are going to be very busy this winter season. That we are. <laughs> In fact, some of the ladies from Soka are planning some winter events on campus um, at camp. So you know, check, check out the, the website. website. Um, reach out to the members that are listed on the website and. We'll find something for you to do. Laura, you're awesome. I'm, I, if, if they're all like you, I see no problem. This uh, is going to be a success. Thank you very much. And I'm very humbled by the women that I'm associated with in this. It is just unbelievable, the amount of enthusiasm. Um, the Well, let's put it this way. Who wouldn't want to be 10 at least for another week? <laughs> you got that right only the hill is much steeper exactly laura thank you so much you're very welcome
Once again, thank you to Laura O'Malley for joining us today to tell us about Camp Archibald and the upcoming fundraiser, Kayak for Camp, on September 30th that will be starting in Falls, Pennsylvania. And, of course, you can always find out more by visiting their website or their Facebook page, SOCA, Supporters of Camp Archibald. And with the impending storms that have been happening with Hurricane Florence, September is National Preparedness Month, the perfect time to get your household ready for an emergency. The American Red Cross urges everyone to make sure they've prepared for a disaster and not wait until the emergency occurs and then it's too late. Some of the things that you should make sure you do in order to be prepared is leave early enough to to avoid being trapped by severe weather. Also, remember, you may have to get out on foot depending on the type of disaster. If you have a car, keep the gas tank full if an evacuation order is ever possible. Also, decide where you would go and where you would stay. If you have time, let someone out of the region know you're evacuating and where you're going. Remember to take along your medications that you need and don't forget your pets. If it's not safe for you to stay home, it's not safe for them to stay home either. Three easy steps and you can get a kit, make a plan, and be informed. And of course, you can always find out more by visiting redcross.org. They have all the details for being prepared. Thanks for listening to Special Edition a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories. A production of Intercom Communications. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives. Streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.